Across the UK, overnight with Martin Kellner. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars and the million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Yep, that's where we go now. Uh, Campeche in Mexico, where I'm told uh, John Bonfilio is in 30-degree heat there. Slightly less than that here in Wakefield. It's cold and wet and miserable here. So uh, let's join John in the uh, in the heat of Mexico. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. No problem yet. Hot, hot, hot here. High 30s, little breeze. Mm. We're definitely all melting just a little bit. Yeah, you would be. It's not that pleasant, is it? I mean, I assume it's... Is it fairly humid where you are? It's not humid yet because the rains haven't started. But by the time we get to June and the rains start, then actually the temperature drops a bit, but the humidity increases. At the moment, it's a dry heat. And uh, it's definitely, yeah. In the middle of the day, uh, nobody is outside. Yeah, I bet they aren't. Uh, well, let's start with this uh, this discovery in uh, Mexico. And uh, it looks like uh, football is possibly older than we thought. Yeah, well, this relates to this discovery this week of this disc depicting two players facing off uh, on and about the ritualistic pelota game, which is this, this game which kind of resembles football a little bit. It does have a rubber ball. Uh, which features the, at the centre of it, but people aren't allowed to use their hands or their or their feet. Fundamentally, players, two opposing sides, would lunge, throw themselves at the ball, and strike the ball with their thighs, buttocks, hips, uh, and try and uh, control the ball to crossing a line, the crossing the line of the opposing um, uh, side. This discovery this week uh, is has been widely regarded or, or uh, presented as being anything from. Uh, representing a trophy, a scoreboard, or the more austere ar- archaeological magazines have just said that it's a basic marker or sign uh, that was maybe uh, adorned the entrance to one of these um, to one of these courts. Of course, one of the reasons why we all hear about Pelota generally is because it is largely assumed that there was um, that there were killings, that there were rit- ritualistic slayings, either for to the winners or the losers. We're not quite sure. Uh, who it was as a result of these at the end of these games and it was it wasn't just as it maybe in the kind of cliche of football it's not just a sport and Pelota definitely wasn't just a sport because it was about communing with uh, with kings and, uh, and and gods and so on so for sure this this discovery at Chichen Itza this uh, one of the most uh, currently most important archaeological sites in um, in the Mayan universe in the Yucatan uh, Peninsula is certainly being touted as being something of a unique finding yeah and uh, probably uh, i've sort of misinterpreted it from the uh, from the headline i mean the headline in the paper had it uh, as a mayan football trophy we a we don't know that it's an actual trophy and b it's um, not exactly football i suppose it's the earliest example of uh, of a ball game but not necessarily football yeah no i mean of course there are some similarities but fundamentally any sport which has which is played with a rubber ball is going to have some kind of uh, similarity but as you say i mean one of the things of course i live in uh, the yucatan uh, peninsula and i am surrounded by what was formerly and still is the 
the Mayan universe and there are archaeological sites absolutely everywhere. And what is really clear to me is that uh, archaeologists, uh, scientists, uh, really, um, they're kind of pushed often by the media into saying what something is that they have <laughs> discovered. But fundamentally, even though you know the Mayan period, the, the, the classic Mayan period is only a thousand years ago, that we really know close to nothing on what took place at that particular point in time. Yeah, because presumably colonialism sort of wipes all that uh, all that away. You know, once it's um, you know once it's it's like a Spanish culture or you know somewhere else a Portuguese culture or British culture, the um, you know the ancient stuff sort of disappears until it's dug up again. Yeah. And not even disappears. Often it is uh, physically, uh, which we often see in, in you know, times of war and conflict, but it's physically destroyed. I mean, famously, uh, where the uh, where all the big Spanish uh, you know, colonial cathedrals and churches are now, are almost always on the site of uh, an indigenous, an Aztec, indigenous uh, Mayan, Toltec temple. So those were deliberately raised to the ground, and then the arriving god was then built in its place so yeah it wasn't just by accident it was very much a, a deliberate policy to wipe out uh, culture and memory yeah absolutely now argentina um go to the top i mean not not uh, not surprisingly as they won the world cup but they go to the the top of the world football rankings they do first ascent since the world cup win first time in six years that they are uh, at the top of those fifa world rankings and another reason for Argentinian football fans, uh, in brackets, the whole of Argentina, um, to, to celebrate Argentina. And now in, in first, Brazil slipped down to, to third. And I think one of the things which, which these new uh, FIFA rankings tell us a little bit is how, which is something we already knew, but it just cements it, really, is how um, there is, uh, if you like, uh, a Latin American royalty in, in football with Argentina and Brazil. And then you've got very much a second tier. Uh, Mexico in 15th, Uruguay 16th, Colombia uh, 17th, and and those are the ones which consistently aspire uh, to you know to reaching the top tier of the of the footballing world. But again, as this most recent World Cup has has demonstrated, uh, continually don't quite manage to um, to achieve. No, and um, there'll be a certain amount of uh, uh, of distress in Argentina for the fact that their beloved uh, Napoli uh, beaten by uh, Milan in the uh, in the Champions League. It's only the first leg, but uh, you know the, the Napoli have largely been um, been sweeping all before them, and uh, obviously there's a huge interest uh, in Napoli uh, as far as Argentinian football fans go because of uh, Diego Maradona. There absolutely is, but a key point about Argentina's view of football and Argentine football fans is it means nothing if they do not suffer. And that is how they are viewing this first leg, <laughs> is the suffering is the suffering before, before the rise. That's the hope and the yep. expectation that Napoli will, in the second leg, turn it around and that the, the amazing footballing uh, year or two that Argentina is, ha is having continues apace. Yeah. Now, uh, another story that uh, that made the papers over here was uh, this story about uh, about the tendency to eat uh, insects and uh, worms and um, tree bark and uh, all sorts of uh, natural products, I suppose, in uh, in Latin America. Tell me, tell me about all that. Is that is are those ingredients not normally on a Kellner? 
Thursday evening uh, su- supper plate? Not intentionally. Uh, occasionally, you know, you never know. A fly might um, might make it into the soup. But by and large, uh, I would try and avoid anything that uh, you know that Heinz hasn't already put in a tin. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Bird's eye, frozen. Um, but yeah, th- this uh, this is all to do with sustainable eating, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. This is. It's uh, as you say. There's been a lot of coverage this week about. What is being presented as a Latin American food revolution, which is able to assist us in uh, staving off climate disaster. Uh, the fundamental, um, I guess, dichotomy here is about the move away from beef. Uh, cattle were first was first important. Uh, cows were first important imported to uh, to the Americas, Latin America in the 16th century, and of course now are, are generally regarded as being one of the main reasons for the relentless deforestation that takes place in these parts, in particular in the Amazon. In fact, Sainsbury's this week, again, have been uh, been in the spotlight because uh, uh, of the provenance of a number of their cows actually coming directly from you know, un, um, uh, unpoliced farms in and near the Amazon. So the argument goes that the, this Latin American food revolution, returning us to insects and larvae, and worms and, and, and the like is going to assist us in reducing our climate footprint. Of course, the, the irony is that this is not new. Indigenous cultures the world over, but of course in Latin America, have always had a, an expansive, sustainable use of local seasonal resources, uh, you know, using anything that there, uh, there is there. Of course, you know, sourcing some worms or some grubs in a jungle context is way easier than going out and shooting a deer or anything uh, like that. So, so this is definitely not new in, in indigenous circles, but um, we have set up for next week a live uh, tasting, Martin, uh, yes. which I'm sure everybody's going to be very excited about, of some of these, in inverted commas, uh, delicacies. I've spoken to, a, to a, a, a famous, well-known local chef here in the south of Mexico who is going to prepare us some a series of, uh, of local... Um, delicacies involving the likes of cornworms, crickets, and grubs. So when we next speak, it will be live in this uh, in La Maria uh, restaurant in Campeche, where Enrique Ortiz, the chef, will prepare some surprise um, some surprise dishes. And I'm really sad that you're not going to be here to taste them, and I'm going to have to do perform that service. Yeah, absence. well, we'll rely on you for that. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of balk at uh, tasting all this stuff were I around. Um, so also, the the, the Times uh, gave us a recipe for lizard ceviche. Um, I don't know whether he, whether your uh, chef will prepare lizard ceviche, which uh, uh, six- said. Yeah, ceviche, so uh, ceviche is uh, is like a, a raw way of cooking. Light meat with lime in particular and uh, an onion, so it's not actually cooked on a fire on or on heat. Um, it's very famous in Mexico. It's very famous in Peru. In fact, it's one of the things that Mexicans and Peruvians most disagree on is who actually invented the dish of ceviche. Um, so, but I, I don't know whether lizard ceviche will be specifically on the menu uh, for next week. But I, I'm sure at least some of it will be a pleasant surprise. Excellent. Ceviche, I know how to pronounce it now as well, so that's great news. 
Um, John, as always, thank you uh, ever so much. Do appreciate it. Um, we'll maybe talk hippos as well next week because that's a story that, um, as you said yourself, it just keeps on giving. Um, and there's been one involved in a, in a road accident this week. We'll maybe talk, talk about that next week. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much. Do appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to the, uh, to the grub next week. Yep. Me too. Take care. Good man. Uh, there we go. Uh, John Bonfilio joining us uh, from Campeche in Mexico. Live, live, live.